Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Sponsored by TSX Broadway, I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Facebook steps in it again and the latest on the so-called trillion-dollar infrastructure plan. But first, the growing crisis in Venezuela. So the South American nation is, at this point, on the verge of being a failed state. Inflation might as well be infinite. People are literally starving. Around 10% of the population is estimated to have left. And there's now a constitutional crisis over who's its legitimate leader. So there's obviously lots of finger pointing as to how things got so bad, but most of it can be traced back to former Venezuelan leader Hugo Chavez, not only tying the entire country's economy to oil and socializing the industry, but to his idea that oil prices would never really fall too much. There are other petrostates, but they usually give themselves some cushion, whereas Venezuela basically kept borrowing and borrowing against the oil at high prices. But those prices eventually fell, and if that wasn't bad enough, Chavez's successor, Nicolas Maduro, put a bunch of inexperienced and, to be honest, corrupt people in charge of much of that same oil industry. And then, yes, there were recent U.S. sanctions that exacerbated the suffering without a corresponding amount of humanitarian aid. So that's kind of the history in the background up until recently, when Maduro was reelected in an election that he and some other international observers called fair, but which the opposition and others called an autocratic sham. The opposition, backed by the U.S. and a growing Western coalition, instead is recognizing the leader of Venezuela's General Assembly as the legitimate president on an interim basis, based on some constitutional loopholes that would set the stage for a new election. Maduro, of course, is calling this a coup by an imperialist America that has a long and unsavory history in Latin America. The bottom line here, it is likely to get worse before it gets better. In 20 seconds, we'll go deeper with Axios World Editor David Lawler. But first, this... Capable of serving 15 million visitors a year in the heart of Times Square, TSX Broadway is the ideal platform for the world's most ambitious brands. With integrated retail, entertainment, and hospitality, as well as Times Square's only permanent outdoor stage and real-time digital customer engagement, TSX Broadway allows for every kind of branded experience in the world's most visible location. Learn more at tsxbroadway.com. We're joined now by Axios World Editor David Lawler. So, David, you know, where is the Venezuelan military in all this, since military is usually what we hear about when words like coup or regime change are thrown around? Right now, the military is with Maduro, at least at the senior levels. The big question is whether, as they see their families, their friends, people out in the streets change sides, really, and and gather against Maduro, whether that moves the military as well. So the question is whether the costs of sticking with Maduro outweigh the benefits that they get from being in this privileged position within the regime. You talked about on the streets. Can you give me a sense of what's actually happening there? You see things, you know, in a presidential briefing room in the U.S., and you see Maduro make statements. But there are massive protests on both sides, right? Literally in the streets of Venezuela currently? Right, exactly. And so the National Assembly President Juan Guaido has been very effective at organizing first public meetings and then public demonstrations. And they've grown really massive. I think at this point, it's very difficult for Maduro to claim he has the people on his side. Are you surprised, you know, the U.S. has kind of led on the Guaido, you know, should be president or is the legitimate president and and led in the sense of other countries have followed. Am I wrong saying this? 
seems to maybe be the first time that kind of Western countries and the international community has followed the Trump administration's lead on something? It is a really interesting development, especially given the history that the U.S. has in Latin America, right? I mean, being at the forefront of this push for regime change is a risky move for Trump, but it is amazing. So the U.S. was first to recognize Guaido and was followed by now. I think we're over 20 countries. The big question is, obviously, you have U.S. diplomatic pressure, but also you have the threat of U.S. military intervention out there. The Trump administration has said we're not taking anything off the table. That makes countries around Venezuela that are supporting of Guaido, nervous. Nobody really wants this to become a U.S.-led military situation. What would that be like? I mean, I'm, I'm thinking historically now, almost like a Noriega sort of situation where you would, what, go and essentially, what, arrest Maduro? I mean, you're not talking about a full-fledged war. No. So what John Bolton has said is that if you put our U.S. diplomatic staff in danger, if you put Guaido in danger, the implicit threat is if you start slaughtering people in the streets, the U.S. stands at the ready to intervene. He hasn't said exactly what that looks like, but he's been very clear that that could look like military force. Obviously, the problems in Venezuela, the economic problems in Venezuela are, are really a decade in the making, and, and they're related kind of to an over-reliance on oil and, and really just god-awful planning. But I, I wonder, how do you gauge the impact that U.S. sanctions have had in exacerbating the troubles there? That's a good question. That's what's hanging out in the air with these new sanctions on oil. They'd obviously resisted that in the past, in part because it could make the suffering of the Venezuelan people worse. What the administration says is that Maduro has to go and he has to go now. And once he's out, we'll have this money that's being stolen from the Venezuelan people and we'll give it back to the rightful government and back to the people. I hear that argument, but kids are starving in the interim. Is there a reason from your perspective that we have not done a large scale humanitarian package simultaneous to what we're doing here? Is the concern that the, that the aid wouldn't reach people? I understand that chess, but that might be too late for a kid who hasn't eaten in three days. Right. They don't want to do any business with the Maduro regime. They would not hand over quantities of food to Maduro to distribute to the people. So the current U.S. stance is regime change comes first, and then we stand at the ready to provide aid. As you've mentioned, obviously, this is a dire situation. And for many people, it's an urgent situation, right? Hospitals don't have medicine. There are people starving in the streets. We have a migrant crisis out of Venezuela now with three to five million people fleeing the country. So the U.S. has obviously the ability and the will to help the people of Venezuela. But right now, the position is once Maduro's gone, we stand at the ready to help them. Explain one last thing to me, David. There are plenty of countries in the world, including in, in South and Latin America, with autocratic leaders. There are plenty of countries with socialist autocratic leaders, plenty of countries where there's humanitarian crises, famine, starvation, massive inflation, all, basically everything in Venezuela you can find in other places. Why is Venezuela becoming such a touch point right now for U.S. foreign policy? That's a good question. There's a geopolitical element here. China and Russia have massive interests in Venezuela tied directly to oil there and tied to their support for the Maduro regime. So the U.S. doesn't just stand against Maduro in Venezuela, it stands against its, its geopolitical rivals as well. I think there is something to the idea that this is a socialist regime. There are other left-wing leaders, but Venezuelan regime since the days of Hugo Chavez has stood firmly against the U.S., 
allied with really everybody that we don't like around the world and in the region. And this does seem like an opportunity from the U.S. administration perspective to make a change in Latin America at a time when politics in the region are really shifting away from these left-wing leaders and toward more center-right or right-wing leaders. So there's momentum in the region for a change here, and there certainly will in the White House and in the administration for a change. David Lawler, editor of the Axios World Newsletter, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thank you so much. My final two right after this. Times Square's newest spectacle, 46 stories of maximalist retail called TSX Broadway. TSX Broadway will be the only building in Times Square to offer a permanent outdoor performance venue overlooking the iconic ticket's red steps. It'll also feature 75,000 square feet of flexible retail space. Visit tsxbroadway.com for an inside look at the future of retail. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Facebook's latest fail. TechCrunch yesterday scooped that the social network has been secretly paying people, including teenagers, to install a piece of software that basically lets Facebook obtain all of a user's phone and web activity, not just their Facebook activity. It's the same sort of thing that Apple actually banned over the summer, but Facebook apparently just made some cosmetic changes and kept on going anyway. Now that it's caught, Facebook says it'll pull the product from Apple devices, but keep it for Android. So remember, last week, Mark Zuckerberg complained in a Wall Street Journal op-ed that Facebook is being criticized for things it doesn't do, like selling user data. Zuckerberg might be right, but there's also a lot that Facebook does do, which it's hiding from critics and a lot of users. And finally, as we reported this morning in the Axios Pro Rata newsletter, the idea of a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill is on serious life support. The original plan had been to use public-private partnerships, whereby tax dollars get leveraged by private investment funds, and then the revenue gets shared. Think of things like toll roads or fee-generating facilities like airports. But a senior administration official tells me that the public-private partnership plan is now off the table, with no real funding mechanism replacement in sight. More importantly, the White House feels it only really has a few months to get such a bill done, given that the first Democratic presidential primaries are this summer. The bottom line... This can got kicked way too far down a crumbling road. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Gracia and Tim Shovers, have a great national croissant day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.